Welcome in to episode 102 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined on the road by Sean Smith, who is currently driving on up the road to Chicago. Sean, how the heck are you? Doing good, Jack. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It has been uh, one heck of a busy day. Uh, we kind of reached a little slow slow rut there for a minute after the commitment of Xavier Wheeler. Uh, no real you know, roster updates, no new additions, nothing really to – you know, a couple, couple recruiting tidbits, but nothing – uh, you know, to, to, you know, stop whatever you're doing and record uh, an episode of the Source to Say podcast. Uh, so we finally, kind of, you know, Friday news dump, we got two massive updates regarding the uh, Kentucky basketball roster going into next season. First up with Keon Brooks, uh, John Calipari during his press conference, his, his first media appearance, I believe, since the Colin show following – Kentucky's lost to Mississippi State in the SEC tournament. I believe it's been two months since we've talked to Coach Cal. Uh, he confirmed that Keon Brooks was returning to Kentucky. And then just a few hours later, uh, we had Isaiah Jackson officially putting his name in the uh, NBA draft and keeping it there, foregoing the remainder of his college eligibility. We've discussed on this show several times that that has been the expectation for quite some time. So we just uh, – we finally got confirmation, and I think – you know, we'll discuss whether that, you know, those two things played a part in each other's decisions, whether Isaiah's decision to leave officially kind of return, uh, you know, kind of sparked Keon's decision to return, those sorts of questions. We will answer here in the coming uh, minutes. But first, let's jump in with our friends with prize picks. The NBA playoffs are officially here, and there's not a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their prediction. Tonight, uh, Sean, I believe a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, we did our first run of predictions. It did not go extremely well. It was like, you know, we're just kind of getting used to the system a little bit. Uh, but let me say on Monday, I hit big. I put down a uh, $20 entry and I won $100 back on a simple, uh, simple little three I put in. Chris Middleton over two and a half uh, three-pointers made. He hit that with three. Duncan Robert, Robinson to go under four three-pointers made, and he went under that. And then Damian Lillard to hit over four threes on Monday evening, and he ended up making hitting nine of them. So quick and easy, $100. It was a fantastic, absolutely simple transaction. It was just absolutely fantastic. I could not recommend it more. So tonight – we're going to continue that trend of winning, and I'm going to be taking Julius Randle over 24.5 points and under for Rajon Rondo's total fantasy score of 18.5. Uh, Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using the code PILGRIM, that's P I L G R I M, to get an instant 100%. 100% Bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget, that's the Price Picks app or pricepicks.com and the promo code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite 
former Kentucky stars to the next level this postseason. Sean, let's jump right into the Keon Brooks news. This is something that we heard rumblings of, uh, you know, probably a month ago, month and a half ago, that there were some strong, you know, no matter what his parents were saying to the press and whatever, uh, you know, some of the public things that were going out there, we heard some rumblings behind the scenes that a transfer was very much on the table. And we kind of were under the assumption that it might have been announced. There was, there was one Friday that we kind of both thought that that was something that, that fans should probably be embracing uh, themselves for. And it ended up not coming to fruition. We actually heard that uh, in, instead of, you know, leaning toward transfer, that kind of tr- started trending away uh, and, and starting favoring more toward Kentucky. Um, you know, we, I was up at the Made Hoops event in, in Indianapolis, and I'd heard somebody, one of the best Indiana insiders, uh, who's very, very connected with Keon's family. Uh, he told me that everything he had heard was that unless, uh, unless an Isaiah Jackson returned or a, you know, UK decided to add another front court piece, something to that effect, that Keon was going to return, that he had kind of, uh, after kind of mulling his options that, you know, his, his family, they all kind of sat down. It, it, is this the place where I want to, you know, continue my basketball career? Do I need to, you know, explore my other options and see what's, what else is out there? They ultimately decided at the end of the day that they were not going to leave. They were going to return to Kentucky and for his junior year. And that was officially announced today with John Calipari confirming that he's going to be on the roster for next season. So Sean, Real quickly, what you know? What are your initial reactions to Keon's return, and and you know, just kind of what does it mean for the roster moving forward, knowing that uh, junior Keon Brooks is is back and, and ready for 2021-2022? I think he's in a position to have his best year at Kentucky. Not not just because he's older and he's going to be a junior, but just because of the pieces that John Calipari and his staff have placed around Keon. I, I like the addition of the shooters. I like the addition of Oscar Shibway. And I like how it kind of allows Keon Brooks to slide naturally into that face-up four spot. Obviously, he's going to have to improve his three-point stroke uh, from the first two years. We did see that improve and stuff. You know, he is capable of doing that. If, if he can get to a 30% clip from three-point range, I think his game could go to another level. But even John Calipari said today that this should be Keon's year. Yeah, and I think I think so as well. Uh, another year in a college a weight room. Uh, we're talking a normal summer at Kentucky with guys arriving on campus very very soon. Uh, I think that's going to be big for Keon. And then obviously, it made sense, right, to not really publicly announce anything until you knew for sure what Isaiah Jackson was going to do. Because if Isaiah Jackson had returned, I think Keon would have left. Because then I think Cal would have had to have played uh, two big men together with Jackson and Sheboy. But I just think that this is the roster that fits him best. I think he's going to end up having a big role on this team. And he's a guy that you want in your program that can take you and uh, lead you and get you to the NCAA tournament. be the first time he's ever played in the NCAA tournament. He didn't get it the freshman year with the COVID pandemic. And then obviously Kentucky was so bad this past year. So that's hard to believe that Kentucky's going to have a junior that it's in, that's been in his program and has not played an NCAA tournament game. I think that's another thing too that Keon wants to do at UK. Yeah, uh, that just hearing you say that just kind of throws me off. It's I mean it's hard to believe that we're going to have a junior on the roster 
that has never played an NCAA tournament game after yeah. being here for two full years. That's just, that's just wild to me. Uh, looking back at his stats, he averaged 10.3 points, 6.8 rebounds, and 1.6 assists per game, 23 minutes per contest. Um, during his press conference today, John Calipari, uh, that he asked, you know, what what were his numbers last year? Just kind of, you know, shooting off the, uh, you know, shooting off the cuff. He said, um, you know, ten, he averaged 10 points, seven rebounds, and he said that's got to go up. Uh, that's got to go up. 24 minutes, that should go up too. So I'm sitting here thinking, Cal is expecting, but you know, basically kind of anticipating that Keon could be a double double type guy if he's if he's thinking that Keon could up up his numbers from 10 and seven a game in 24 minutes, he's expecting him to not only up his, his points and rebound numbers, but also up his minutes from 24 per game this past year. So and he's going to play alongside Shibway too. I, I think that's going to be big for him. I think Keon's going to kind of feast uh, when it comes to the offensive glass and things. I mean, we, we know Oscar's going to require so much attention with his body and his physicality and size. And I think Keon will benefit from that as well as benefiting from the shooters that Kentucky has and the space that's provided on offense. Uh, I think Kentucky with Keon coming back, I think they have three true guys that can get double-doubles. I'd throw Keon in there, obviously Oscar Shibley, and I think Xavier Wheeler is a guy who he had double-doubles at Georgia. Who's to say that he can't go for, you know, seven to ten double-doubles this year at Kentucky? Yeah, 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 and and going back to his, you know, just the experience that he adds to the program. I was kind of doing a, a random head count of you know what what this roster is going to look like, not even considering what what you know Davion Mintz's decision. That's still up in the air. Cal said today that he had no idea what he was going to do. He Cal, he was kind of odd with how he kept wording things. He said. Uh, we're going to have six guards on the roster and then named five of them included Dante Allen and obviously, you know, the other two shooters, CJ Frederick, um, you know, CJ Frederick and, and Kellen Grady, then Ty Ty Washington, Xavier Wheeler. And, you know, he was going down the list and didn't include, he said that there were going to be six, but named five and kind of hinted that Davion Mintz would be that sixth. And then, he, you know, he also kind of mentioned in, in passing that, uh, you know, the, talking about point guard options, you know, talk about Ty Ty Washington, talk about Xavier Wheeler, and then just kind of very, very quickly included Davion Mintz as a potential option. So very weirdly talked about the potential, uh, you know, return of Davion Mintz, but then kind of refused to admit that he was thinking that that was likely, or uh, I think Kyle Tucker there at the end of the press conference flat out said, are you anticipating him to come back? And he was like, oh, I don't know. You know, workouts haven't even started yet with NBA teams. We, you know, we're just so early in that process. We have no idea. So, you know, it is really hard to get any semblance of, of, of news from him on, on that front. But the way he was hinting at it, but kind of penciling out Isaiah Jackson, we'll get into that decision here in a second. It almost made it feel like he was slightly anticipating a return of Davion Mintz and planning for Isaiah Jackson to leave the latter of those two scenarios happened almost immediately after the press conference with Isaiah uh, officially leaving. But it does lead, it does lead you to believe that there, there could be something there with Davion Mintz, but um, kind of back backtracking a little bit, not even including Davion Mintz. You have one graduate transfer, a fifth year senior in, in Kellen Grady, one redshirt junior in CJ Frederick, four juniors in Keon Brooks, Oscar Shibway. Uh, Saver Wheeler and, and Jacob Toppin, and then one redshirt sophomore and 
in uh, Dante Allen and then another sophomore in, in Lance Ware compared to just three freshmen on the roster. This is something that, Sean, we have never seen before uh, under Calipari at, at Kentucky. This is, there's a chance that we might not even have a freshman in the entire starting lineup, which has certainly never happened before at Kentucky. This is, it just feels like we're approaching a year after – you know, all hell broke loose, kind of the wheels fell off with the program that Cal went back to the drawing board and said, look, what's work, what had been working in the past is no longer working. We need this. We don't have this right now. Let's find who can bring this to the table. And it looks like he has kind of just reinvented himself, reinvented the program. And it, it looks like Cal's going to have his – we're going to have our, Kentucky's most experienced team under Cal in 13 years at Kentucky with what this roster is looking like, Sean. Yeah, and he, he said all the right things today, right, to Kentucky fans. He said he wants to play faster. He wants to shoot more threes. He's going to play four out. Uh, you know, Kentucky fans are probably sitting there thinking, wow, I've been, I've been waiting on you to say all these things for a long time. But, no, he certainly has the pieces to do some creative things. And it just feels like there's creativity with this roster something that, you know, hasn't been there. They, they've always had talent. They've always had the best guys. And I don't think this is a case where they have the best players. I, I just think that they have a lot of pieces where they can mix and match. They can do some different lineups, uh, whether you want to go you want to go bigger, you want to go smaller, you want to add more shooting, you want to play two point guards together. Uh, I, I think that is what's the biggest difference for me. And there will be a time this year where he will start five experienced players. Let's, let's say Tata Washington begins the year starting. We know how Cal changes lineups here and there. At some point, you're going to see a lineup probably that's going to have five experienced players on it that's not a freshman, and that's, that's not been done since Cal's been in Kentucky, that I can, that I can recall. But uh, it's going to be, I think, an exciting team. Fans are going to enjoy watching. I think they're going to have, obviously, with, we expect Rupp Arena to be at full capacity and stuff this season. You know, UK announced some football and stuff this week, so that's really encouraging with basketball as well. The way that this team's going to be able to shoot the ball, uh, the, I think the roof's going to come off Rupp Arena quite a few times when you're talking C.J. Frederick, Dante Allen, Kellen Grady, and those guys putting the ball in the basket. And then the, the news of Keon Brooks today is just, to me, it's the biggest news that Kentucky could have gotten. I think that was the biggest addition Kentucky could have added to the roster is you, you wanted him in your, your program, a guy who has been through a lot since he got to Kentucky, obviously the ups and downs of a freshman season, then an injury to start a sophomore season, and then just the, the pains and suffering of a 9-16 and 16 year. We didn't get to see the best Keon. Keon didn't get a full offseason. Keon didn't even get the full preseason. Right. So I'm not going to put a cap on exactly what Keon Brooks can be. I don't think we've seen the best of Keon Brooks. I think his body's going to continue to develop and change. And I think now what you have in him, Jack, is you have a guy who's going into year three that knows exactly what he needs to do to get better. He needs to get a more consistent jumper. And I think that that's the biggest difference. Like last year going into sophomore year, and I think it would have been a bigger year had he been healthy. But we didn't really know much about Keon Brooks. His freshman year, we didn't see much from him. So I think he didn't even really know what he needed to be. But I think by now, going into this summer, he knows what he needs to key in on and what he needs to work on. And I think that's going to be a big thing for him. And I think he'll come in here. And I, I think he has all SEC capabilities. Yeah, and I th we saw so many glimpses of that. And I think Cal even mentioned the, the Florida game to open his – 
after returning from injury, that Florida game where everybody just kind of assumed, hey, he's coming off a pretty substantial, you know, leg injury. And we, you know, Sean, you and I both know the actual thing. You know, people were talking about, oh, he's academically ineligible. There's this other, you know, stuff going on with Keon. There was an actual health scare with Keon that that kept him out the first whatever there I mean there were there were legitimate concerns that he wouldn't play at all last year because of a a a, a an actual medical condition so I, I'm very glad that he was able to return to the floor and no, no matter how he played I was very glad that he just kind of got over that and was able to to you know actually you know see the floor and and kind of get get past that but we saw spurts at times of of him just, you know, kind of doing it all on both ends. That first Florida game, you know, he was diving on the floor. He was, you know, I think he had a, a you know, a big dunk and in transition. And it, it was, he was doing things that felt like normal Keon that if we, and I think toward the end of the year, it was kind of about consistency, how often we were getting that player. And if he can realize his talent this year and kind of, and kind of be that Florida Keon every single game, every single time he steps out there. I, you know, I, I do think the sky's the limit. Everybody's kind of talking about, oh, can he be that P.J. Washington, make that P.J. Washington jump? Can he be that, like you said, that all-SEC, you know, potential type type player? It, we have seen him be that player before. It, it's it's not necessarily about his his capability. It's about the consistency and bringing that to the table, table every yeah. single time he step, steps on the floor. And – you know, we'll we'll talk about this here in a second. Um, you know, we we talked about this kind of in passing a little bit before, but uh, we've kind of got confirmation that the players were officially moving in this weekend. Cal is planning on a full summer uh, where you know we're going to be getting you know summer workout recaps, and we're going to get you know actual five on five. I believe it, they, the players didn't get on campus until late June last year. Some of them didn't get in until mid July. Isaiah Jackson was one that didn't get in until mid July. Uh, you know, even when they did get on campus, it was a slow, you know, quarantine for this long, uh, you know, open up with just training, you know, one player on the floor at all times. And it was like one, two players, one on each end of the floor at all times wearing a mask. And, and you know, there was no contact for who knows how long. Cal is going back to the full, you know, normal Kentucky basketball offseason. And that for Keon specifically, you know, he the, the, he's passed his injury from last year. He's going to be in the gym earlier and more often. And, and it's it feels like the jump that we thought we were going to get from Keon from j- freshman to sophomore year, we're going to get from sophomore to, to junior year, considering the adversities he had to, he had to come over uh, and get over this past season. It does feel like out of all the players returning and, and you know kind of joining the program, that Keon is that high potential guy, that high uh, high reward type player that we could see this season. Uh, before we get into you know the more about the the specifics of the move-in process and and some other uh, you know kind of nuts and bolts of what's going on this offseason with Kentucky basketball. I do want to touch on Isaiah Jackson and his official decision to leave. Sean, this was one that we certainly anticipated for a long time. One that is a very smart move for him. You know, when the the latest mock drafts come out and, and he's you know eleven overall, twelve overall, you know, kind of firmly cemented in that lottery position. It, it became really it became really clear rather quickly that that an announcement like this was on the horizon, Sean. Yeah, it did. Uh, we've we've been expecting this for more than a month, honestly, Jack. I know a lot of people have 
emailed me, DM me, and everything talking about Isaiah. And I, I've told them over and over again, there there was just no chance. I, I just didn't see it. I I thought that he was going to go the entire time. And obviously, you, you would want a guy like Isaiah Jackson back in your program for another year. And this is probably going to confuse some people when I say this, but I think it was the best thing kind of for both sides here. Um uh, Obviously, you take Isaiah Jackson in your program another year, but for all this talk that Cal's been talking about going four out and the players have been talking four out, which I don't think he would have said if he thought Isaiah was coming back because if he was on this roster, Jack, Isaiah was going to be at the four and Sheboy was going to be at the five. Like, it was going to be two bigs together. So I, I think it kind of helps Cal out when it comes to that four spot with Keon and Jacob Toppin. So I think it's going to allow him to play that true four-out look that it would have been hard to play when you're talking Lance Ware, Isaiah Jackson, Keon Brooks. I mean, it was, somebody would have had to have played the three, and then all these pieces, it wouldn't have made sense. Uh, so I think that that tells you that the final decision for Isaiah Jackson has kind of been on the table for weeks now, and it just now came out today. It's, it's all about timing. Kentucky put its roster together. And then obviously, you know, Cal speaking today, things kind of have to go in motion because you knew Cal was going to be asked about those uh, decisions and everything. And it, it was finally time to set this thing in stone, but it's not entirely finished, is it? No, no. It, yeah. And uh, I, I do want to touch on um, we we had heard back on the, the it was the week of Terrence Clark's passing that that Isaiah Jackson was actually planning on announcing or at least that he, that he was in the process of signing with this agent and was going to announce at some point in the very near future that he was officially leaving the program and uh, in, in, in keeping his name in the NBA draft for going the remainder of his college eligibility. Uh, we had actually heard that the day of Terrence's passing was the day that he had actually met with his agent Met, he was with Coach Cal. They were together, and they they all heard the news together. That that was kind of the, uh, you know, they they were there trying to celebrate, like you know, hey, this is a massive moment in my life. I'm ready to to you know take this next step and and become you know an NBA player and sign with this agent and you know do all this, and you know life hit him like a sack of bricks. And Terrence Clark passed away, and and we had heard that that it was just like a, a very, you know, obviously a very emotional experience, but they were all together for that moment. And we talked about on the show, you don't know what that does to somebody. You don't know what, uh, you know, how, how you react to that. Did, did Isaiah look at that? And, you know, it's been, you know, a month since that, since that happened, you know, did he look at that and go, man, do I need to go back to the drawing board and maybe, you know, do I play this season at Kentucky you know, in Terrence's honor, do I, you know, return and, and kind of get that Kentucky experience that Terrence didn't get to get, you know, you, those thoughts, when you lose a brother like that, you don't know what goes through your head. You don't know what kind of, you know, how that changes your, your mindset and your, 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 you know, thinking. So it, it made sense why we got a, a slight delay on that. But I mean, we, we kind of try to make this clear if, if somebody is is sitting down with an agent and signing on the dotted line with Coach Cal there, you know, in this celebratory, you know, evening, you 
how how often do you kind of you know rip up the paperwork and say just kidding i'm i'm gonna go back to the drawing board and you know yeah it might have kicked the can down the road a little bit and it, it and it did but there was never a real possibility of uh, you know as, as much as they wanted to keep the door open some people were talking about that you know might still be a, a slight option i hadn't heard of that being a realistic thing for the last month since, since that happened. Once, once I heard that they had, they had set up a meeting and, you know, they, they had met with that agent and they were ready to, you know, make that happen. I, I just kind of wrote it off as it's, it's a done deal, you know, may, you know, crazier things have happened. You never, you never know, but I, it just never felt like a, a Isaiah Jackson returning was a real thing. And I think today was kind of a, 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 a breath of fresh air in, in terms of clarity for the program. We now know that, you know, we don't have to play the waiting game. Is Keon Brooks waiting, waiting for Isaiah Jackson? Is he going to, you know, end up transferring because he, he doesn't want to compete with the, you know, who Kentucky's bringing back or who they may potentially add. We get confirmation that Keon is back. We get confirmation that Isaiah Jackson is, is, is leaving both correct decisions on both of them, you know, for, for both of them. And I think at the end of the day, the roster as a whole, it feels much more complete today, even than it did yesterday or, or last week when Xavier Wheeler committed. It just it it just feels like we're finally inching closer to that final straw, and that's exactly what you know Coach Cal said today. He, you know, no matter what Isaiah Jackson did or what Davion Mintz is going to decide to do, um, you know, the roster's final. They're not looking to add anybody else. What we, what you see is what you get with this Kentucky basketball roster. And Sean, I think it's one that that Kentucky fans should be happy with. I don't know if it's one that it, you know has Final Four written all over it or you know national title contender or whatever, but. It's one that I think can make some noise. And after what they went through this past year and kind of the, you know, the two year drought from missing the tournament altogether, I think that in itself is, is a breath of fresh air for Kentucky fans, Sean. It has better written all over it. I think that's the one thing that you can take away from it for sure is that they will be better. I mean, you're, you're getting proven college basketball players coming into your program, guys that have done it in some of the best leagues in college basketball. I think you know what you're getting. So you're going to be better. And it's 99% complete, right? Possibly 100%. They're either going to have 11 scholarship guys or it's going to be 12 if Davion Mintz decides to come back. And just hearing what Cal said today, it was kind of an open pitch to Davion Mintz that I think Cal wants Davion Mintz to come back. I truly do. And the way that Cal is committed to this four-out, one-in look, this playing this three-wing look, these three guards. There's room for a six-guard, six-backcourt guy there. If you're going to play that many guys, there's going to be minutes there. Uh, his value to Kentucky, I think, would be huge. I think his value this year would be even more because I think he could – he won't have to do as much as he had to do last season. I think he could do those two or three things that make him really good. And then the value of having – him and your program, a guy that's been there, a guy that has hit big shots. It was kind of a shame that he didn't get to hit big shots in a sell uh, sellout crowd at Rupp Arena because he had big moments. He was that guy that they went to late in games. Uh, I would like to see him come back, honestly, and, and add another veteran piece to this backcourt. And if he comes back, then I, I think you lock Kentucky in as a top-10 team. Right now, I have him hovering right around 10, 11, 12, somewhere through there. If he comes back, I'd probably put them top seven top six honestly yeah you you have your dagger thrower you have the guy that you know can make big shots and big moments he's your clutch guy he's the you know the stable force he and 
there's just so much excitement in thinking about the possibility of him getting that moment, you know, where he hit those, those five threes in a row earlier this year. And, and, you know, when, when he, you know, made those dagger shots against Vanderbilt and some of those others where you're just like, wow, man, I, I just wish he got that experience at Kentucky and a full 24,000, you know, seat Rupp arena crowd, just going crazy for him. Just, I, I want to see, I want to see Davion Mintz get that full Kentucky experience where the roof just explodes off the place after, you know, a, a, a big made shot or, you know, a, a, you know, he catches fire and makes, you know, two, three, four, five in a row, like he did several times this year. I just, I just want him to get that experience because he got some of that and he got some of that positive feedback and, and those things, but he, he didn't get that full Kentucky experience. And there's, like you said, there's that, that that role is there for him. There's a hole on the roster with his name all over it. It just feels like in the way Cal's talking about it, it you're right. It does feel like that's kind of where we're inching and, and it would just, I think it'd just be a game changer for this roster. And I, I agree. I think it would make Kentucky, like I said, I, I don't know if it would make them a, you know, lock them in for a final four. They're, you know, a top four, top five team in the country, but it's a team that you feel confident about rolling, you know, rolling the balls out this summer and saying, let's, let's get to work. It, it's one that you don't feel like, Ooh, I don't know about that point guard spot or, Oh, I don't know about their front court or man, I don't know about their wings. It's, it's, you feel confident. I don't know if they have that, you know, like we talked about, they don't have that Jaden Hardy on the roster, that Paolo Bancaro, or, you know, one of those can't miss, you know, national player of the year type players but they have so many other complementary pieces that we talked so much about fit and making sure the roster just fit together. And it doesn't, it just feels like they're missing that high level piece, but they can still reach. It might take a little bit longer to get to those points and those sorts of things, but it does feel like it is a complete roster. It's a very good roster. One that Kentucky fans should be quite confident about going into this year. Sean, we're going to you know start wrapping things up here. I do want to mention that, like we talked about, Calipari did confirm the move-in dates. We KSR confirmed that uh, with the parents of all three of Ty Ty Washington, Damian Collins, and Bryce Hopkins, that the move-in uh, move-in date for the freshman is on Saturday. Then uh, CJ Frederick came on KSR and said, yeah, the transfers are also going to be there this weekend. And then Cal kind of confirmed again, you know, triple confirmed everything on his press conference during his press conference today that the move in for all the entire roster is this weekend. Summer workouts are back. They're going to start getting, you know, I, I you know, CJ Frederick said on the show that they're going to start with some training and kind of body work and getting, you know, getting some conditioning done, but they're going to jump right into, you know, workouts and, and getting shots up and starting scrimmaging and doing all those things that this team did not get last year. Sean, what is the importance of that? And, and, and kind of getting oh. returning to, to normalcy on that front, because it was very clear that the team missed that this past year. What is it? What does it mean for this program to get that back? It's a big deal. It's a, it's a really big deal because these guys can develop those friendships. I mean, you're going to, you're talking about guys outside of Keon and Toppin and those pieces coming back that do not know one another. Yeah. Like they have no idea. They don't know each other's personality. They don't know what makes someone else tick. I think that's the biggest thing that comes from the summer workouts is you get to know your teammates. You get to know the coaching staff. The coaches get to know these kids. It's not just – it's not going to be drills this summer with gloves on and masks. Like, they're going to be able to go five on five. They're going to be able to do some things and get in the gym and work. Uh, I think that's a big deal. 
and I think the the weight room is a huge deal as well and kind of just getting acclimated to campus and the setting that they're going to be in for the next nine months. Uh, we know that that team last year, just a huge disadvantage. They were pretty much trapped in their dorm rooms the entire time. They they didn't get to spend that, that time together, that bonding uh, sessions during the summer where you could go over to Cal's house, you could take them out to dinner things like that. I think that's the biggest thing that comes from this is when you, especially when you have a lot of new faces on a roster, they have this period of time here, these three or four months before anyone else is on campus, they have this entire thing to themselves and they have a chance to come together, get to know one another and just kind of learn about one another, learn about, you know, what makes Xavier Wheeler go, what makes CJ Frederick go. Uh, you get to know these guys, and you know how to push the right buttons, and I think that's the biggest thing for this this coaching staff as well. I, I mean, Cal said last year, you know, these kids aren't even able to go to the movies together. These kids weren't able to, you know, they were locked in their dorms playing video games. Yeah, doing. I mean, they they did nothing to get. There was no team bonding, and Cal. There was one of the Cal, the first things Cal said today was, as soon as I get them on campus, they are coming over to my house. We're having, you know, sleepover at Coach Cal's house next weekend. It's going to be, you know, team bonding, team chemistry. He said, all the, all the crap that we missed last year because of this stuff, I promise you I'm not making that same mistake again. It, it, it feels like Cal well, understands what he missed last year, and he's like, screw it. I'm making sure that doesn't happen again. Well, there, there's one thing that, really sets you back as a coach and it's if you don't know your players and I and this isn't a, this isn't a knock on Cal I don't think that Mike Krzyzewski knew his players I don't think that John Calipari knew his players I mean you know them but do you really know them if you don't get to do those things with your guys like sure you knew BJ Boston on the basketball floor but did you really know BJ Boston did you really know you know what he was thinking and you know his his actions and things like that I, I think they missed out on that significantly this past season I think it's hard to help kids when you don't really when you can't really be there in the capacity that you need to be and that you want to be uh, when things are normal these guys are together all the time Cal has them over at his house they go out for team events they do those things that, that build and that build those relationships and then last year, they, they just got cheated, not just from a player standpoint, from a coaching standpoint as well. I think all college basketball did. And I think it's good to see that that's going away and that these guys are going to be able to have a normal summer. They're going to be able to get in the weight room. They're going to be able to get in the gym. Remember last year when it started with the gym, when I was talking, me, you and I were talking to Joel, it was like one guy in there at a time or two guys, and one was on the other end and one was on one end, and they didn't talk to one another. They just worked and got shots up. Coaches couldn't even be in there with them. I mean, that, that, that's weird, right? I mean, how do you go – how do you get better in that setting? Because it's up to these 18-year-old kids, 19, 20-year-old kids to make themselves better. Now you've got coaches in there with them. You've got teammates in there with them. There's an environment now that breeds getting better. That was missing this past season. Yeah, it just it, – it's – like I said, it, it feels like a breath of fresh air that, that – it, it, feel, it just feels like Kentucky basketball's back. You could feel it talking to Coach Cal today that, that he knows that everybody screwed up. Last year was a, a complete, utter mess from start to finish when, you know, he, he even he, – I mean, I think he said there at the end of the year several times that if he had gone back and done it over again, like he, he focused so much on making sure these kids didn't get COVID 
that he sacrificed so much that team bonding and the and the you know team chemistry and those sorts of things that that you just can't you, you need that time you can't make up ground for that if you lose that time it's gone and I think that's something that Cal realized and that's why there was such an emphasis on you know me talking to the parents of the incoming freshmen they were like you know Cal every time I've talked to Cal he was like we need to get you on campus right now we need to get you on campus sooner rather than later we're not waiting an extra minute we are making sure you get on campus because Cal knew that they screwed up the whole thing and you can't fault you know the it, it, nobody knew how to navigate through COVID and and you know, this was the first college basketball season going through a pandemic like how do you navigate something of that of that magnitude you don't know how and but but Cal was just making sure that even though he might have gone a little overboard with safety precautions and making sure that, you know, there are other coaches, and I'll admit, you know, j- just right down the street in, in Louisville, uh, you know, they they kind of got under under fire for not being as serious about it as, as some other schools. But uh, there are some other, so many other schools that sacrificed, you know, the safety – of the kids for wins on, on the basketball floor. And that's something Cal didn't do. And I'm not saying like that's something that he's going to be doing this year, but it, it, he, he has recognized that there's such an importance of getting these kids in the gym and letting them be together and, you know, go into, you know, team dinners and, and going to movies together and being kids, having a normal campus life is so, so important for these kids. And, and it's very clear that Cal is, is going out of his way to make sure they get that back this season. Um, Sean, let, let's get out of here with this final thing. Um, the, the name, image, and likeness rule, I, I talked to a couple people over the last week or two that uh, I think after Jaden Hardy committed to the G League, there were a lot of Kentucky fans that were like, well, you know, we're, you know, we're never going to get guys like Jaden Hardy to Kentucky ever again. We're, you know, the, the top five, top ten type players are always going to choose money because there's no – you know, there's no way you can compete with five hundred thousand dollars. There's no way you can compete with those type of offers uh, when when you're you're Kentucky. All you can offer is uh, college experience and playing, you know, national TV exposure, those sorts of things. Um, Sean, I just want to put it out there that there is an expectation inside the program that July first is the uh, official return date of the name, image, and likeness rules. That the NCAA is kind of right on the cusp of announcing that. Uh, and it would be something that would allow all players on the team to get paid. And it would be something that would allow, you know, uh, you know, individual camps, you know, a statewide camp tour where they can, you know, whoever you want to, you know, Bryce Hopkins can set up a camp in, in Chicago, Illinois, and he can get a, you know, make some money off of that. And, and, you know, go down the list, Dante Allen can set one up in Falmouth and, and, you know, the home homegrown kids can get, you know, the homegrown money thrown their way, those sorts of things. That is going to be something that is on the table for these players in the very near future. They're the team, the program is kind of, kind of tentatively planning on a July 1st start date of that, of that thing. So, I mean, we are right around the corner of that. And uh, I, I have been told that, I mean, it's going to be a game changer. I don't, there, it's really been tough to kind of nail down a specific number of how much money these kids are going to get. And I don't want to, you know, kind of throw around any false numbers. So I'm not even going to put anything out there. I've heard, shoot, I've heard anywhere from, you know, hundred thousand dollars to $300,000 to, you know, 
tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, it's, it's kind of all over the place, but it's the, the number that I've kind of kept going back to is, is $200,000. That's kind of been the one thing that people have kind of said that, that, that they're going to be able to at least compete with the G leagues of the world, the overtime leagues of the world, those sorts of things. And, you know, put money in these kids pocket and make the college experience one that, uh, you know, could win out over a G league that, you know, over an overtime league, those sorts of things. So, you know, that's so brand new and I'm just going to kind of getting in the start of it. I just kind of want to throw that out there that that is on the horizon and fans shouldn't just kind of chalk up Jaden Hardy's decision to sign with the G league and some of these other guys signing with the overtime leagues and those sorts of things, uh, you know, kind of saying like, Oh, we're screwed. We're never getting those type of kids again. Just kind of putting it out there that, yeah, we're, we're going to be able to compete with those offers here very soon. Uh, you know, on top of the exposure that you get at the college level. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are, that are going to be drawing kids to the college game. Uh, but Sean, just real quickly, I just wanted your thoughts on, you know, the idea of, of these kids kind of the, the possibility of these kids getting money in their pockets this season, what, you know, what that would mean to this program, both immediately and in the long run. I think it's definitely going to be a big deal uh, for college basketball. I had Jay Billis on, uh, last week, and he doesn't think much is going to change from NIL, but I, I think there will be a big change, uh, especially when you're talking programs like Kentucky, you're talking Kansas, Duke, North Carolina. When you're, it's not even a marketing thing anymore. It's more, you know, who can pay you the most? Like, where can you make the most money? And you have to think in a place like Kentucky, you can, you can make a lot of money. Like, there is value in going to Kentucky when there's name, image, and likeness, and you can make money off of that. Uh, I think that's more booing than the G League. Uh, I think it's going to shift power to the Blue Bloods again. I just think that that's the those are the programs, and it's not even it's not even about marketing. It's just about who can pay you the most. But then when you want to factor in marketing, let's look at Tyler Hero. How much money would Tyler Hero have made at Kentucky? I mean, they were talking about freaking buckets and stuff, and yeah. T-shirts with buckets on them, and had his face on them, and then like and all these things, like or had just fourteen on a bucket. The only reason that that was marketable is because of, and I'm a bucket. Yep. He turned a bucket into value. Like, and you're talking about a fan base that buys everything. You can even flip it to the football side. You've seen guys with football, Benny Snell, Josh Allen, the money that they could have made with a fan base like Kentucky. I mean, that that's a big deal. I, I think that there's going to be appeal in going to college. I think there's going to be appeal again playing at a place like Kentucky. Uh, not every program, obviously, going to Kentucky is going to be more valuable when it comes to NIL than going to what a a program lower in the Pac-12. I mean, it's Kentucky. There, there's so much value there. When we're talking money, you you think about Kentucky basketball. You think about the University of Kentucky when you think of of money in college athletics with the the attendance and everything else that goes into it. I think NIL is going to make an impact. Uh, I know Jay doesn't think so. I think. Because Jay, I think, has already, you know, stated with me that, you know, money has been there, even though it's been a dark, you know, a dark thing. It's not been public. And and that's true. Money has been there for, for all these guys. But I just think now that it is going to be approved and that there could be money there on the table, not under the table anymore, I just think it shifts power back to Kentucky. It shifts it to North Carolina. Those programs that can pay, there's money there. And then you add the marketing side to it as well. Uh, it's certainly going to make an impact, in my opinion. I think there are these guys that are going to be the top players. I think going to college basketball is going to have appeal again. 
Absolutely. I completely agree. And we will end it there. But before we do, Manscaped is back. Your friends are, uh, you know, I, I hope you guys are ready for yet another of your favorite ads. Uh, we'll start with this. Father's Day is just around the corner, and you probably need a gift for your hairy dad. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The Lawnmower 4.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code PILGRIM. That's P I L G R I M at manscaped.com. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and just launched their new Lawnmower 4.0. Imagine surprising your dad with a sleek, well designed, and optimized body hair trimmer that says, Your balls will thank you on the box. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. You might ask, how is this Lawnmower 4.0 different than their other trimmers? Well, let me tell you. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. This is a great feature if your father or yourself do a lot of traveling. It also gives you the ability to turn that 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. You can now shave your balls in the dark. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Yeah, you heard that right. Wireless charging ball trimmers are a real thing now. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code PILGRIM. That's P-I-L-G-R-I-M. Don't forget that you came from your dad's balls. This year, show your original home some love with Manscaped. Sean Smith. Good Lord. <laughs> All right. Your, your, dad, your dad's going to be expecting a John Deere sitting in the garage <laughs> talking about getting a lawnmower. And good boy, he's going to be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> but pleasantly happy, too. <laughs> All right. We'll get the heck out of there with that, Sean. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another jam-packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. Oh,